Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Neil Musset would like the podcast louder, so we will shout the whole thing. <laughs> Is that what mastering means, Brother yeah, Peter? Yes. Yeah, mastering yourself means not making comments like that. <laughs> oh, punk. come on. Ah. Sorry, Neil. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. This is the we are the lanky guys. My name is Scott Powell. You're going to say this is the lanky guy, isn't yeah. it? Were no, you going to exclude this? Me? No, I was going to say this is the lanky guys because okay. sometimes we get confused on what our name is <laughs> and how we should speak of it. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, um, you guys, I, uh, I I've been sending this gift by Jaja Poopoo. <laughs> you guys have to see this Star Wars. It's like Jar Jar Poo Poo, isn't it? Isn't that what his name I is? I just want to clarify that P- Father Peter said GIF, G-I-F, because you were saying you were sending Poo Poo gifts, and I thought it was a weird like Advent thing you were doing, or Secret Santa. Yeah, Jar Jar Poo Poo. GIF. GIF. G-I-F. Do you know that there's a big debate on what these are called? Some people call them GIF. Uh, uh, or G- what? I can't even say it's a, it's a, a GIF, like as in Jiffy peanut butter. They're like, oh, are you going to send a GIF? And I'm like, dude- I already ate my peanut butter. I already what? Ate my peanut butter. Ate my peanut butter. Nice, dude. And uh, but dude, this there's it's it's hilarious. They took the Star Wars Force Awakens poster and then <clears> animated it. <laughs> it's totally absurd. I'll I'll put it on the Facebook. Side. Okay, yeah, you totally have to put it there. <laughs> now now I do. <clears throat> it's absurd. I like that. Yeah. You always open the podcast with whatever happens to be on your mind at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was it's thinking about it. I was like, I really put a demand on my friends because you really don't know what's coming next. No, and we, you put a demand on the podcast because we're just going to have to put up with whatever you say. Oh, absolutely. Well, Unless you're fast-forwarding for the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens for a lot Does of Steve people. Does Steve Bazzelli still fast-forward? No, they, they like it. They like the pace. We're going to go skiing with them and put the whoop on them. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't either. The last name is Baselli. I was uh, at lunch today. I was trying to get Scott to do squats with me in the <laughs> kitchen. And I was like, I'm happy to do squats, but I'm not going to do them on demand. <laughs> I just can't. I can't I, get behind that. I was like, I was like, just do squats with me. No. Just like, oh, because because like that's what you need for snowboarding. You need wall sits and we're not snowboarding. <laughs> I'm snowboarding. You snowboard? Yeah, dude. Is I that don't, what you do? I don't do none of that tube thing. There's too much happening with Wait, you're two a snowboarder? Skis. I'm a snowboarder. Does I had no it actually changed. I'm surprised. I'm genuinely surprised. Yeah, dude. Do the Baselis put up with that? They do. Wow. I know. But then I go on Mogul Hills and die. Yeah. I imagine so. Yeah. Well, well, this well, is we'll the have third, fun on Monday. Yeah, we will. This is the third Sunday of Advent. Yeah, it's the third Sunday of Advent. Year C. You better believe it. I made a commitment to myself today, <laughs> and I told Father Peter about it. So these were hard readings. Oh, these are hard readings. You yeah, can accept them. And uh, and and this commitment that Scott made was that he's not going to go listen to the other podcasts from before and to figure out what we did. Because it was really tempting to think, okay, well, what did we do three years ago when it came to the, these readings? I know. And, and I'm not going to do it. I want it to be fresh whenever whatever is happening now. That's what will inform you guys, our understanding of these readings. You, you guys, guys can't can go back it. either. Oh. No, they can go back. Well, they, they can, can listen to both of them. They get two double if two you, for one. If you go back, people, you have to listen to the new one as well. Yep. And uh, but I but I was like Scott, you put that idea in my mind. I didn't. I hadn't even thought of it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, so I was like, man. But our speaking first- of gifts, I just am looking at a gif of Donald Trump being attacked by a bald eagle. <laughs> it really happened. It's a real. 
It's it's not like it's not like Photoshop. No, it's real. It's Donald Trump being attacked by a bald eagle. <laughs> the, Sorry. Okay. Well, the first reading is from Zephaniah chapter three, verse. Oh, <laughs> that is kind of strange. Yeah. Anyway, um, Zephaniah chapter three, fourteen to eighteen. A hey, y'all. Um, yeah, Zephaniah. Nobody ever, nobody ever sees Zephaniah coming. Dude, <laughs> Dude. our responsorial psalm. Speaking of not seeing things coming, is from Isaiah. I know. I was like, dude, they... <laughs> which couldn't be more perfect for a relation to Zephaniah. Did... We'll get there in a minute. So Isaiah chapter. Did you, did you hear that knocking? Oh, uh... I was making a point, and I knocked on oh, the okay. thing. Okay, and then our second reading. Wait, is... I didn't say it yet. Oh. <clears throat> our second. No, our responsorial. Isaiah, our responsorial prophet is from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, 4, and then 5 and 6. And the actual response is from verse 6. Cool. Second <laughs> reading is, cool. is Philippians 4 to 4, 7. Mm-hmm. Four, 4 to 7, yeah. Um, our gospel reading is coming from the gospel of Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. What should we do? Dude, it's really funny because in, <clears throat> if, where it says the gospel acclamation, because our our acclamation verse is from Isaiah 61.1. As cited in, in Luke, Luke 4.18. Did you see that too? These are, this is a like complex. There was one dude who was responsible for this weekend, you know, and he was like, he's no. like, I'm going to do it all up. No, this was clearly a committee. <laughs> There's, I know a committee when I see it. They're like cited in Luke for I know committee work. Yeah, this is it. Um, not, the Holy Spirit has still tied these threads together. Yeah, that's so the, 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 the Holy Spirit is the only thing that could have gotten this committee together. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, okay. Well, well good night, everybody. Dude, so Zephaniah, it's really funny because I was looking in like, like what's going on with Zephaniah? Dude, Zephaniah is where everything is happening. And this is the key to everything. The, the, everything. <laughs> Blowing wide open. Okay. Well, um, Zephaniah, he's kind of, he's structured a little bit like, from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, which I'm sure I'm I will. <laughs> no, <laughs> Even I'm if I'm not wrong, you're going to correct me. Well, well, you know what they say philosophers should do? They say- I'm um, not a philosopher. Never affirm, seldom deny, always distinguish. Done. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I feel like you take- Well, let me distinguish that. In in approach to everything that oh I come say. on it is not no tell me the structure of Zephaniah Father Peter it's like uh, it's like all the prophets it's like like <laughs> condemnation and woe and then some like rejoicing and happiness everything's yeah. gonna be okay absolutely actually Zephaniah is like a big periscope well I'll get there in a second periscope periscope I periscope I no I I periscope I what is that from is uh, that they from? might be giants but it's not periscope I Spike palindrome I palindrome I, I palindrome I they might be giants, everybody. Anyway, um, Zephaniah. Yeah, no, Zephaniah. So this is interesting. He's one of the what's called the twelve minor prophets, and we call them minor not in the sense that they're less important, but, but the books more are just that they really actually small. get coal and diamonds and that oh, kind of stuff. They're they're really looking good. into the scripture to find the meaning and so, reality because they're mining it. So what does it never affirm? Seldom always deny. make fun of. Not <laughs> <laughs> continuously. I think that that's it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. All right, Zephaniah. Um, yeah, he's one of the 12 minors, which... which Honestly, on a practical level, what that means is that it's one of the ones that people just tend to forget about, which is unfortunate because the 12, actually, I love the 12 minor prophets because hmm. I think if you take especially the 12 minors, minor prophets, <laughs> thank you for putting that the in my head, <laughs> they, yeah. they form this really incredible tapestry of the story of Jesus because they each have one or two of these little pieces 
of what will make up the story of Christ, um, which is just neat. So when you stitch them together, you get this jigsaw puzzle coming together, which is what the old te- is what's God's been doing throughout history is stitching together these pieces, slowly revealing these things. Um, this is what the church means when she talks about mystery. A mystery is not something God keeps from us, but something he slowly reveals to us over time. So I love the 12 minors. Zephaniah, the, the piece of the puzzle that he brings, or one of the pieces, um, is a really unexpected one. I want to get there in a second. So Zephaniah, really quickly, who this guy is, he, he's significant because, as a person, because he's apparently uh, the four, what is it? The fourth person down in the bloodline from King Hezekiah. Oh. And he's introduced that way in the in the in the verse one of the book. He says this is who he is. Hezekiah was this great reformer king. He was one of the only holy, just, and upright, righteous kings in yeah. Judah in the southern <clears throat> kingdom. Right? Yeah. So he's this is descendant. Um, he's speaking during the the rule of Josiah, and Josiah was, was the big reformer, wasn't the he? The other big reformer. And so like, but, and so he's doing it right beforehand, and like, where is where is. Well, um, he's probably speaking at the very beginning of Josiah's reign. Okay, early on, and some people oh. think that part of the reform the reforms came partially as a result of what Zephaniah said. Oh, so this is actually going to spark it. Got it. It's so it's a little bit it's a little <clears throat> bit like our minor league team, the Zephyrs, before we got the Rockies. Do you remember the Zephyr? Oh man, the Zephyrs, <laughs> the Denver Zephyrs. Denver Zephyrs. Those dude. were the days. Those man. were the days. Anyway, uh, but it, but it's also significant because uh, you know a lot of the prophets are kind of these. <laughs> They kind of come come off as these randos who come in out of the wilderness and they're doing weird things and they're these kind of wacko outsiders. Zephaniah is one of, he appears to be one of the court prophets. So especially because of his bloodline being mm. descended from Hezekiah, he you get, if you read through his book, he gets the politics of royal Israel, so of he, the royal so he's, kingdom in So he's Judah. probably really he's in Jerusalem. Yeah, he's an insider. He Got knows it. what's going on here. Got it. Which is kind of cool. So yeah, again, he's the fourth generation descendant of Hezekiah, but but the shape of the book, and, and you mentioned this, and you're, you're right on, but the shape of Zephaniah is essentially like this, this periscope which moves outward and says, starting with Judah, you've broken the covenant, you've worshipped all these Baals, you've done all these things, and then broadens out to all the nations have done this as well, and all the peoples have done this, and there's going to be judgment, and it, it focuses on this idea of the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is one of those themes that's especially in the minor prophets. It refers to this day of judgment when all nations will sort of reap what they've sown. And Israel in particular will reap um, the the fruit of, of the evil that they've done and the corruption and their idolatry. Which which gets us to the actually the most popular reality of Zephaniah is where we get the hymn Diaz Irae. So Right. Oh, are you giving me that? You guys? No, I don't know what you're talking about. You guys don't know I what the Diaz hearings? I, I, I don't know if they know. Well, if the, I don't know, they don't. The know. one guy who's like, who's like the Diaz yeah. dude. He's yeah, like, he's doing he, that. He, face. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> oh my. yeah, but that's really yeah. where, like, the, as far as the arts go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But but the last piece of that puzzle, so it's all about judgment, but then it ends, as you mentioned. The theme of, of all the prophets is the idea of judgment for the sake of restoration, which is what you said at the beginning. That That's the that's the broad framework of all the prophets, specifically Zephaniah. Um, but it just, I just because it's such a striking... The people, the, part of the reason people don't read the Minor Prophets is because you start reading these things and you're like, this stinks. So look at the first... <laughs> so it, it, verse 1 introduces Zephaniah... Um, then verse two is God says, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away, away both the men and the animals. I will sweep away 
Is that who's calling? Jen Lozier. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Let me pause. It's, it's all good. Hi, Jen. Uh, I will sweep away the birds of the air, and I'll sweep away the fish of the sea, and the wicked will be heaps of rubble, and I'll cut them off from the earth. And you're like, okay, I think I'm going to move on to a different book. <laughs> I'm read the Psalms for a while. So, I mean, it's it's really rough, but part of the reason um, that this is all going on, and I, w- I was really struck by this, so so do what you will with this, but I was, I was just, I spent a lot of time with these readings this morning, Good. and especially Zephaniah, just trying to, to wrap my head around it. And, and God says, I'm going to stretch out my hand against Judah because of all these idolatrous priests and these pagan worship, and you're worshiping these things. And then it says this, and I just, oh, where is it? Yeah, it's in verse, uh, look at verse, well, just 10. Here, here's what it says. Verse it says, 10 of what chapter? Chapter 1. Sorry, I'm just at the very beginning of it. Okay. Of the scene. It says, on that day, declares the Lord, this is the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, right, that's coming. Declares the Lord, I will a cry will go up from the fish gate, wailing from the new quarter. This is references to Jerusalem. A loud crash from the hills, wail if you live in the market, and all your merchants will be wiped out, blah, blah, blah. Verse 12, then I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left in its dregs, who drink, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Part of the accusation that Zephaniah has mm. is these people that are like, look, the Lord's not going to do anything. He's not going to punish us. He's not going to save us. We have to save ourselves. We just have to sort of do. The Lord's not going to do anything. Mm, which is very <coughs> which contemporary. It is. I mean, what, what was it? The New York Post or something. Well, just last week, you know, after the San Bernardino sh- shootings, there was this big headline what did it say god it was, has nothing to do with us or something like that it was or, no no i remember he's I, not coming or it was, it was almost word for word like god's not gonna fix this right yeah he's it was silent. something like that i saw that and then i read this this morning i'm like oh holy cow this is zephaniah holy and, cow oh jeez. But then I, I I read on and it goes on it says look the day of the lord is coming near it's coming quickly um, it's going to do all these things. And it, it basically is this call. Oh yeah. Okay. Then I want to jump to chapter three. So we, it sets itself up. Here's what's coming. This is really bad. Part of it is punishment for the people who say, look, God's not going to do anything. Mm. What's the proper response? And we jump to chapter three, which is where we get closer to the restoration. But, uh, look at chapter three, verse eight. It says in response, God says, therefore, what? Wait for, for me, me, declares yeah. the Lord. You think God's not going to do anything? You think he's silent? You think your prayers are meaningless? You think this is all empty words? Wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day I will stand up and testify. I will assemble the nations, gather the kingdoms, pour out my wrath on them, my fierce anger. The whole world will be consumed by fire. And yeah. then, and then, verse 9 is the turning point to the whole thing. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder from the rivers of Cush. And it talks about the geography. Verse 12, I will leave within you the meek and the humble, the ones who trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will speak no lies. No deceit will be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down. Remember that lion lying down with the lamb? There's all these references. But think about this for a second. What the restoration is described as is a gathering of all the nations, fire descending from heaven, and articulate speech, which oh. will unify all of them. 
What piece to the puzzle do you think Zephaniah is adding? Pentecost. That's Pentecost. amazing, actually. Now, when does Pentecost come? Now, think about this for a second. If you follow the Gospels, the Gospels are utterly frustrating, right? Because you have Jesus, and it's clear in the Gospels who he is, what he's doing, and every page is the disciples and the followers just not getting it. Occasionally, there's somebody who will get it, or some you know, a, a poor woman or a street beggar. Some, sometimes people get it. But by and large, you just have these gospel stories of people totally blind. Right. Until what? The Holy Spirit descends. What happens prior to that? The, what sparks the Holy Spirit descending? The death and resurrection of Jesus. One might say the day of the Lord. What is coming, according to all the Old Testament prophets, this day of destruction, where it will be utterly wiped out? The Christ comes and takes the day of the Lord, foretold by the prophets, yeah. wholly and entirely onto himself, onto his person, so that then the result, the fruit, which Zephaniah speaks of, of this fire descending, articulate speech, lips being cleansed, nations gathering, that only happens at Pentecost, after the destruction of the Lord, after his ascension, when he sends the Holy Spirit. The day of the Lord has taken place, and it took place in the body of Jesus. That's what I think all of these, um, this first reading at least, is pointing to. You're waiting for the Lord. You're wondering where he is. You think he's silent. He's not silent. He's humbly coming and taking all of it on his person. Right. In the most powerful voice that, that the heavens have ever spoken. But if you don't have the eyes to see it, you're going to miss it. And um, as you're talking, I mean, I, 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 the literalist in me wants to like narrow down the day of the Lord, mm. but, but like in his day is, I think that the day of the Lord is, is I, I'm I, I can't go literalist as you're talking about that because even you as can't. we're in the midst of Advent, the day of the Lord is actually from the very minute of the Annunciation. Well, yes. And, and like, well, not necessarily because properly speaking, the day of the Lord is always referring to the punishment. At least as far as the way that the prophets speak of it. Oh, okay. They all, at least as far as I can tell, they always speak of it in terms of punishment. That I think the equivalent is when Jesus, especially in John, keeps talking about the hour. Yeah. The hour, the day of the Lord, I think they're the same thing. I can, I can get behind that if, if that's actually how, how we typically see it in the minor prophets. I think that's how Jesus is saying it. Sweet. Um, well, I, I was just trying to link it back to um, the fact that we're in Advent and... Um, well, yeah, and I, I think that's what Philippians does for us. Oh, I, I sorry, I was flipping <laughs> out. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that the responsorial comes from Isaiah? Because I'm reading Zephaniah, yep. and I'm saying, okay, the fr and by the way, everything we just talked about is yep. all what precedes our actual reading. So I didn't say anything about the reading that you're going to hear on Sunday, but Which I've taken you right yeah. to the beginning, right to where it starts. And so the, the reading we get is, because of all of this that we just heard, therefore shout for joy, O daughter Zion, sing joyfully, Israel, your judgment has been removed, exalt, and be glad, et cetera, et cetera. What's unclear is how that judgment is going to be removed. The day of the Lord is coming, there's going to be punishment, fire will descend, all this stuff, and then everything will be great. What is that going to look like? We don't know until we see the cross. Now, ironically, then we get... Not ironically, but but beautifully, <laughs> profoundly, we get Isaiah as the responsorial psalm, which is the one, I mean, I, I thought of Isaiah 6 instantly when I'm reading Zephaniah. Remember when Isaiah goes before God's throne? Yeah. And he says, woe, I am a man, a man of unclean, unclean lips, lips, and I don't and an unclean people. And what happens? His lips are cleansed. This is what Zephaniah is referring to, right? Yeah. He's talking about this cleansing, which comes through a purgation. 
Because the only way for Isaiah's lips to be cleansed is for that burning coal to be touched to them. A fire, it's burned and purged and then he's clean. And then you read on from that point and Isaiah goes on to talk about even though it looks like the tree of Israel has been cut down out of this stump, a shoot is going to come. Right. And that's all in chapter 11, partially in chapter 11, preceding that. And then we pick up the response in chapter 12, which is the answer. Cry out with joy and gladness for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. How is this all going to happen? How are we going to come through this terrible time into this great time? Through the great and holy one of Israel. Because, as Isaiah says, God indeed is my Savior. I'm confident and unafraid. My strength, my courage is the Lord. He has been my Savior. With joy you will draw water in the fountain of salvation. All Isaiah is pointing at is the singularity of God alone will save you. Hmm. And Little did Isaiah know that God will take on flesh and alone save you. Right. In that particular way. Right. Which is profound. But that's what I, I mean, so in the wisdom of the church, this this reading from Isaiah is linked then to the prophecy of, Ze- prophecy of Zephaniah. Does, that, does this all make sense? Yeah, it is. Okay. 100%. I just thought it was cool. And the connection with Isaiah, I was like, that's cool. That's really cool. And again, the church isn't explicit this week, but literally a couple of verses before this, it's the, the stump, out of the stump, the shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, which is what we begin the ad, the theme of Advent with. I mean, this is, this is the real, I was trying to explain it. We do a Jesse tree at home, you know, where you put the little, it's a little biblical story. Uh, you know what? I've trace. never done a Jesse tree. How do you do a Jesse tree? It's great. Um, it's basically each day of Advent, you tell one piece of Jesus' family tree, basically. And it, it's sort of set up for you, you know. So you taught one one of the days we talked about Adam and Eve, then we talked about Noah, then we talked about Abraham, you know. So you're you're basically going through his family tree. The first one though was this, and we um, somebody gave us a Christmas gift of these. I think they were from Etsy, but these little cute um, ornaments. And the first one was the the shoot growing forth from the stump of Jesse, and I was trying to explain it to my little kids. And I was like, well, it's like Israel was like a big tree, and it got cut down, and when you you know, Israel felt like they were a big tree that was cut down. But out of this stump, what do you see growing? They're like, oh, it's like a little shoot. It's this little new life. A new life is growing out of the stump. So when Israel's hearing all this, they're like, we feel like this tree that's either been cut down or is getting cut down. And if you're a giant, powerful tree and you've been cut down, what they're being shown is this image of a new sprout is going to come forth. And I was saying to the kids, what does that remind you of? New life, new sprouts, like a little baby sprout. The how grocery God, store. How is God going to do this, though? It's through a baby sprouting into the world. That's how this is all going to take place. So, And Isaiah is tuned into this in a really profound way. Yeah. So this is all about Advent. So so at the beginning of Advent, I want to really encourage you to have sprouts on all of your sandwiches and oh, salads. Oh, sprouts. And in your smoothies. Smoothies. A loud <laughs> bing. Yeah, yeah. We call that a Bing Crosby. Oh. <laughs> anyway. It's Scott's, Scott's computer. Uh, has, any noise that's on it goes through our headphones as we're recording. Yeah, I got a text and on he, my phone, he, on my computer. On your computer, and it's which is like your phone. Yeah. Which gets us into Philippians. It does get us into Philippians, and which seems like the wild card always. The second reading always seems like, okay, what it's is it? It's always a wild card, and like, dude, you have to do a good amount of work to like get into it. Not necessarily. If here, take this, take it for what you take. Well, what, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? What I know. Thinking? I want to know. I want to know what you're thinking. This Tell is, me what's on your mind. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what's on your mind. Okay, this is the very end of the book of Philippians. Um, the book of Philippians. Do you know what the nickname for the book of Philippians is? 
Uh, don't do it. No, I don't. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. I shouldn't have asked you can see question. the gear. You saw the smoke started oh, come out I of my it. ears because I was like, well, I was going to come up with something. There's one word that's repeated in the book of Philippians more than any anything else. Rejoice. Yeah. Joy or rejoice or some derivative of that, right? So Which it's is what we called... call this Sunday. Oh, is it? Yeah. Rejoicing Sunday? Uh-huh. Is it really? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. So Philippians is sometimes called the epistle of joy. Which is ironic if you remember that Paul is writing it from a prison cell. So, and I think that's the key piece to this. So he's closing out the letter in chapter four. This is the very end. And at the very end, after he's kind of tried to encourage them, given them the canonic hymn, right? Empty yourself. God, who was Jesus, who was in the form of God, didn't kind of quality with God, something to be grasped that's at, right, but he right, emptied, emptied himself, himself being taken from, from death slave. on a cross, all this stuff. And he, he, and then he does the same thing with himself in chapter three. He says, here's what I had. Here's what I, all the things I had going for me, but I poured it all out and I counted all his reviews for the sake of knowing this. It's all about self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. joy interspersed through all of it. Right. And then he ends this letter again, written from a prison cell saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. So have no anxiety at all. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The the, the thing that makes this relate to all the other readings yeah. is hearing these words from the mouth of a guy sitting in a prison cell, totally mm. beat up. That's the Advent message is that, look, we all sort of feel like the tree that's been cut down. We all sort of, I mean, the, the m- news media is even saying it. We feel like God is silent. Right. That and I'm not trying to slam the New York Post because it embodies I think what a lot of people, good people feel. Right. Where is God? Right. Why do these things keep happening? Why is he silent? Why doesn't our prayer work? And that's the question throughout the Old Testament. Why do you keep allowing us to go through these things? Which and, is which is actually the precise boundary <clears throat> between the two phases of the spiritual life of purgation into illumination. Yeah. And so so the boundary line, and mm-hmm. we learn this in the liturgy, we do the penitential rite, then we have the gloria. Yeah. And then we go into the readings and homily. Yeah. And and so and praise is always the bridge. If you're in the mm-hmm. purification and you're the, and you you're gonna say, Man, I don't know what's going on. You're like, even though even though there be no herd in the stalls or or food on the table, I will praise the Lord. Yeah. And like that's the, the you're, Ain't got no herd in the stalls. I ain't got no herd Never in heard the stalls. <laughs> And then you sing Christus es natus Virgo Maria Virgine Gaudete. Nice. That's my little praise for you. That's good. I appreciate it. You know, that's because this is Gaudete Sunday. It is. It versus Laetare Sunday, which is that's why it's the joy. Rejoice. I just I I blanked on that one. Yeah. But and and Philippians gives us the answer though, is how do you deal with that? Well the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And like Zephaniah said, just be patient. Wait on him. If you don't wait on him, it's going to bring its own condemnation. Not because God's going to get pissy if we if we're not wait if we're not patient. Like, well, where is he? God's mad because we insulted him in the New York Post, so he's going to smite us. No, we curse ourselves when we. This is the problem of Israel, right? Once they stop trusting that God will save them, hmm. what's the automatic response? Well, we better take actions into our own hands. What right. happens when they do that? We end up making the wrong decisions and heading down the wrong path. Why does not waiting on God bring punishment? Not because God is going to get mad at us for doing it. It's because when we stop trusting in God, we're going to trust in something else, and that something else is not going to save us. Mm. 
So that's where the punishment comes from. Mm. Sometimes God's worst punishment is when he allows us to do the things that we want to do. That's how Paul in Romans defines God's wrath. God's wrath is when he allows you to follow your own will. His mercy is when he stops you. We have our minds flipped on that reality. His wrath is when he lets you do what you want to do. His mercy is when he stops you. And that's what Paul is encouraging the Philippians toward. Look, the Lord is near. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it hurts. We know the Philippians are being persecuted in some way. Right. But he says, rejoice. It's okay because the Lord is near. That's what you need to worry about. Don't become like those evil ones in the time of Zephaniah that says the Lord, that say the Lord is silent. By the way, that line, that's it's throughout the Old Testament to mark pagan idolatry, saying God is silent. That's what the wicked say. That's what the evil say. No. And I'm not trying to point fingers at people in our society because it's a really tempting thing to say sometimes because mm-hmm. it feels that way. But again, this is not. And, and I think that is a great segue into the gospel. Oh, the, yeah. Because what all this should make us ask is exactly what the crowds asked John the Baptist. So what do we do? What do we do about this, right? Because these are all really interesting. These are great, interesting histories and stories and lead-ups. And then the crowds ask John the Baptist, now what? And I think that's the question of all these because, again, we've seen the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord has arrived in the person of Jesus. But then he disappeared from our sight, and he went off. And we know he'll come again, so what do we do? Right. So the, the people in John the Baptist's time, they know the Messiah is coming, but he's not there yet, and the world hurts. So what do we do in the meantime? Right. Now we live in Advent, when we're waiting for the Lord coming again. He's not here yet. It's hard. What do we do? It's the exact same question. It's applicable to us, I think. Which I, I actually think that is beautiful. <clears throat> like, it's very straightforward, practical stuff. You well, should give, give away thing. your extra coat. Yeah. And, um, you know, don't cheat people yeah. for money. And don't extort people or falsely accuse anybody anymore and be satisfied with what you have. Right. Which is like, I mean, talk about the the, the, the nature of all Christmas stories. Like yeah. like like everything. I tell my kids that. I mean, like like everything from elf to, you know, the Santa Claus, man. Like to, Or Santa Paws. Oh no, is that a one? I don't know. I don't know what you're getting at. I don't know where you're headed with Those that. are movies. No, I know that. Oh, you've never seen Santa Paws? No. Oh, for Pete's sake. You're missing. <laughs> yes, it is one. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That's why I was like, that what what's Santa Pod? <laughs> it's terrible movies. <laughs> My kids love it. Absolutely love it. Dude, that's the beauty of being a parent is watching movies your kids love. Uh-huh. It's dogs who save Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> they do a great job though. Dude, that's good. And there's a magic st- it's a little creepy at times. Anyway. So keep going with your point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all. That's all. No. I what, what was the point, though? That's the theme of all these movies you were saying. What, what is what's it? The theme? Is it? What do we do while we wait? Oh. You know, like do, give, uh, be just. Like, get into justice. Not and even like, be just. Be merciful and generous. Which, and generous. Which today is the second full day of the year of mercy. The year of mercy. So, like, what is the mercy that you need to pour out? Like, that's like what we do. It's interesting. Liturgic. Well. I don't know, liturgical, ecclesially. It's the, the church is calling this an extraordinary jubilee year of mercy. Mm-hmm. It's extraordinary because a jubilee comes every 25 or 50 years. When was our last jubilee? I don't remember. Uh, the 2000. Yeah, it was in 2000. You do remember that, right? Yeah. So it's called extraordinary because that wasn't 50 years ago or 25 years ago. It was just 15 years ago. So what the Pope has determined is, look, we live in a merciless society 
And this is a desperate time. We have to have an emergency jubilee year. That's what extraordinary year, jubilee year of mercy means. Wow. The Pope has declared a state of emergency in the church. Wow. And said we can't wait for another 10 years or 35 years or whatever it is. We have to have a year of mercy now. It's, an, it's a state of emergency because we'd have a world who doesn't know what mercy looks like. We don't know how to be merciful. We don't know how to receive mercy. We are merciless. So we need to gather the church together and call the world to a state of mercy and remind them of who our God is and what he's done. Wow. That's what Luke is getting at here. That's what John the Baptist is getting at. What do you need to do in the meantime? Because, you know, what they want to do is, okay, what are all the prayers we need to say? What what are the things we the steps we need to take to get the Messiah here or whatever? We want to hasten the Messiah. We want to fix the state of the world, right? Right? We want to do whatever it is. We want to repair things. What do we do about terror? What do we do about these things? There's things that we need to do, right. obviously. Absolutely. But first and foremost, you and I in our personal lives, what do we need to do? Go serve the poor. Go care for the people around you. Be just. Do a good job in your work. I mean, this is what the church is saying. Live your life well with mercy and justice and generosity. That's what you need to do if you're worried about what do I do in the meantime as this world is crumbling around us. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. And that's the message of Advent, which, like you say, it's almost shockingly simple. Right? But surely there's more th than that, right? But it's ironic. I mean, it's we don't really want to go serve the poor. We don't, we don't really want to go and give of ourselves. We want a big, high-level, you know, high-profile solution that we can do. Some big public policy, political, religious, worldwide thing. I don't want to go serve the poor guy on the side of the road. That's what I have to do? Right. That just stinks to us. But that's what we have to do. Right. Because that's how this is all going to work. I mean, Jesus came as a small one, as a humble, insignificant, seemingly insignificant, peasant, poor person from Nazareth. That's the God of the universe. He didn't come as the king. He was the king. But he didn't come and sit in his palace in Jerusalem. He didn't come as the president. He didn't come as the emperor of Rome. He, he could have done those things. He meek and humble in heart, yeah. Why didn't he come as the emperor of the most powerful empire the world had ever seen? Wouldn't that have been a more efficient way to save the world? Why didn't he become a Caesar? He didn't. Mm. No. So how are we going to solve it? To be like him. Right. It's ironic. I mean, uh, even in uh, that prophecy of Zephaniah, he's embedded the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if you caught it when I was reading from chapter 3, but it talks about being meek and humble. And that's who this kingdom will be given unto. That's who the restoration will start with. And that's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Right. So it's profound in its simplicity, and it's difficult in its simplicity, I think. Yeah, well, it's, because it's difficult in its purity. And this is actually, that's the, that's the reality that's, that's hard. So simplicity and purity, I mean, like, we tout simplicity as a culture. Like, there's the desire. Mm. But purity... Purity of intention, being like, mm. of saying like God is above all things, and I will right. I will love God above all things and my neighbors myself. The yoke of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, and people obviously get this th this realization that yeah, there's something to that because when John the Baptist says that, it says they're all filled with expectation, and they asked in their hearts whether he was the Christ. Right. Wow, we've never thought of that. That's beautiful. You must be the Christ. Which. Again, as human beings, that's a tempting thing. Yeah, it's very like, normal. Yeah, I do have the message. And he's like, no, <laughs> it's not me. He's like, he's like, I'm not even worthy to strap down to loosen the thongs of his sandals. I am not. I am not equivalent to the lowest slave in the household. Yeah, which is the lowest job you could do. 
And he goes on, he says, I will baptize you with, the, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire his winnowing fan in his hand to clear the threshing floor to gather in the wheat and the chafe will burn with unquenchable fire. I think you said this, or I, I've heard this said before. I probably said it if it's wise. <laughs> but the idea that appears numerous times in the gospels that Jesus is coming to separate the wheat from the chafe, right. the chaff. And we always want to think, okay, the chaff are these bad people over here. The wheat are these good people over here. I'm the wheat. Those guys are the chaff, right? Instead of realizing, no, we actually have both of those realities inside of us. What Jesus is coming to do is burn off the selfishness and the evil desires, the idolatry in our hearts, and bring forth the wheat. It's not these people are lousy, these people are great. It's that we all have this capacity for grave sin yes. all the time. That's what Jesus wants to burn out of us through this fire that Zephaniah talks about, through the fire that Isaiah has is given on his lips— that he has to, it has to hurt a little bit. But in the hurting, the purging and the beauty will begin to flow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I even think about what it takes to mill wheat berries. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Tell me what it takes to <laughs> mill wheat well, you berries. Have to, you, have to cr- you have to crack open the oh, wheat berry yeah, to get rid of the chaff and the mm. barley and to get to uh, the endosperm. <laughs> It's like this is the thing is and and the uh, and then the uh, what is, what's the stuff that feeds the heart? It's the um, um oh blood. Sh- no, there's because there's three parts to the wheat berry. It's very trinitarian. I have no idea. It's okay, whatever. I don't know much about wheat. Somebody, berries. some farmer oh, out there is, is like they're in the combine wow. running it right now, and they're like they're like <laughs> They're in the combine. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they might be. I hope they. Are. I hope yeah. somebody's in their combine. Although it's winter now. Yeah, well, winter wheat. Winter wheat. I don't know. I'm just saying stuff, dude. Be the winter wheat, people. Winter wheat, people. Well, you guys, so let the Holy Spirit fall. Like, let that Mm. fire fall. And don't don't give in to the temptation to say, God's not there. He's not listening. He's not going to do anything. Because it's... Even, no matter how long we have to wait, even if it's 2,000 years, we cannot give in to the temptation that God will not act. That will bring our destruction, surer than anything else we can do. I was thinking about the scene from <laughs> Adventures in Babysitting when <laughs> the gal is, is at the bus This station. is why this is a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where she's she's like she's like trying to figure out how to like live in the bus station when in fact her <laughs> friends are actually coming for her. Oh. And but she's like trying to freak out and like that's the thing is like yeah. you're not meant to live in the bus station. Yeah. No, you you actually have hope that that reality is coming that the savior is 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 on his way and like and that's where if you just settle and say, I'm going to live in the bus station, you go crazy. You, you lose your mind. You're not meant to live in the bus station. That's You're what not. I'm going to title this podcast. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, so, but, but, you, but we do wait and that waiting yeah. is difficult and it's, and it is, it is weird and, and hard. So thank you for, um, uh, gaudating with us. Mm. This is, <laughs> and, uh, we pray that, um, uh, that you, your hearts would be um, really open to what's coming in Christmas and that you would wait on him. Yes, like berries, like wheat berries. Wheat berries! All right, you guys, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Wheat germ! Wheat germ! Wheat That's germ. what it is. There it is. It's the, the germ, the endosperm, and then the, and then the, what's the outer shell again? Berry. Berry. No, it's the... Brand, 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 brand. Brand, that's what it is. All right, Brian. We <laughs> will see you guys next week. Okay, we got to you. <laughs>